0: Hello my loves and welcome to Healing the Podcast with your host Ashlyn Torrey. I am a heels and Burlesque instructor, a confidence mentor, and the creator of Studio Soly Luna, living in the gorgeous mountains of Asheville, North Carolina. In this safe and sacred portal, we will be having raw, real, and intentional conversations about dancing in a heel, spirituality, self-love, the dance industry, and all the taboo topics that dancers and women should be openly talking about. I am so excited to go on this journey with you. Now let the magic begin. Hello my loves and welcome to Healing the Podcast episode one. I am so incredibly excited to be recording this first podcast episode for you babes. I feel like it's something I've wanted to do for such a long time now. I've listened to podcasts since 2015 and I always dreamed about starting my own and the timing just never felt right, but I just got married. We just got back from our honeymoon in Costa Rica, and I'm feeling so inspired and rejuvenated with Studio Soli Luna and all of the content that I want to put out here for you, babes. So I felt like it was just the perfect time, and this podcast is really going to look like a mixture of both interviews and solo episodes with myself. I want to bring you some incredible guests in the heels, dance, spirituality space, but I also want to share with you the things that I've learned in my experience and everything from tarot to sacred sexuality to dancing in a heel. I'm going to bring all of it here in this podcast. So I hope you're excited as I am to go on this journey together And I thought it was fitting to have this first episode be my full, unfiltered dance story. And the reason is, is I've told my dance story in so many different capacities. YouTube, I've told it in my program, CHM, I've told it in so many different ways, but I feel like I've never really, otherwise just with friends and family, been able to share my full story. So that is what I want to do today and really just go from the beginning up until kind of now where I am in heels and burlesque and what led me here. And I went through some shit. I went through some ups and downs and I really want to be able to dive into these things because they all led me to this place and having a really beautiful relationship with dance and with myself and now in a beautiful relationship with my partner I feel like my dance journey gave me so many different things and I've been in the dance world for over 10 years now. So there's just so much to tell you and I'm ready to dive into it. But first, I do want to give a trigger warning. I will be talking about some things such as eating disorders and emotional and sexual abuse. So I just want to start with that to make sure that if that is something that's going to trigger you, Um, It will be in this episode, and you can either just skip this episode or fast forward through those parts if you choose. All right, my loves, so let's start from the very beginning. So I entered the ballroom dance world when I was 16 years old. Prior to that, I had never danced before in my life except for maybe a year. My mom put me in, of course, the typical tap jazz ballet I absolutely hated it. I hated how itchy my costumes were. I wasn't a fan of going to class every week. And so after about a year of that, my mom pulled me out and put me in basketball and volleyball. So I was in sports my entire life and that was really my focus. No really creative energies in my family. My family was very much like a typical Southern family focusing on sports, focusing on, you know, career, (laughs) typical nine to five kind of work. And so I was really just on that path of going to school, then going to college and maybe playing sports in college. And that was kind of my life path. But then I had a really bad experience in volleyball with one of my coaches and I ended up quitting mid-season. I look back at that time and just honestly smile so deeply at how the universe worked out because at that point in my life, it was a very traumatic experience being in high school, having one of the coaches, you know, not really like you, not get along with you and be kind of like publicly humiliated, which is what happened to me. And I just thought the world was over. (laughs) But also I knew that sports was not my life path or calling. I never really was on that wavelength that everyone else seemed to be in my high school. I always knew that I needed more, that I was kind of destined for more in a way. So quit sports, and I remember my mom and I used to watch Dancing with the Stars every Monday night, and we were watching Dancing with the Stars the week after that I had quit the volleyball team. And I was watching the dancers twirl across the stage in their gorgeous, Sorovsky crystal dresses and with so much passion and confidence. And I looked at my mom and I said, That's what I'm going to do. As soon as I said that, I remember hopping on my mom's computer and looking up ballroom dance lessons in Asheville. And the Asheville ballroom came up, it was the biggest ballroom studio in Asheville. And I signed up for my first group class. And my mom was just so floored because. She was used to this pretty shy girl who hated dance, whose main focus was sports, and now all of a sudden, she wants to take a ballroom class. Like It kind of came out of nowhere, but I just remember being so incredibly excited. And so I went to my first group class. I remember my mom drove me to class, and I walked into this gorgeous ballroom with chandeliers hanging from the ceiling and... Frank Sinatra was playing in the background, Fly Me to the Moon. I remember it to this day. And there was a line of older people. <laughs> and I just remember everyone was like 50 and over. I think there was maybe one younger couple who must have been doing it together as like a wedding dance or something. But other than that, it was just me and a lot of older people. And I remember my mom saying, Oh, honey, I just think you're going to hate this. And I was already hooked. At that point, I was just like the music, the energy, the environment. It just felt very much like home to me. And um, so after my first class, I was lit up. I remember they taught single time swing, which is like one of the first introductory American rhythm classes. So in ballroom, you'll hear me talk about this a lot. You have American Rhythm, which is like America's version of ballroom. And then you also have International Latin, which is like the original form of Latin ballroom. So I talk about both of those a lot. I went from American style to Latin style eventually, but I did start out in American style. And so anyway, I was officially hooked. And I just remember every single week in high school watching the clock because I... Would leave early every single Thursday, I think it was. My mom would be there to pick me up and drive me to my lesson. And that was my favorite part of my week. And so I went to group classes for several sessions. And then at one of those sessions, I remember having an instructor. He was the instructor of the group class, and we are going to call him Z for this podcast episode. I will try not to use people's real names during this podcast, so I will probably just call them by their first letter. So Z was teaching this class, and I was enamored. I'm telling you, this man was the most incredible dancer I had ever seen. He was handsome and sexy and rugged, and I just was like, I need to dance with this man. And after class, I remember him coming up to me and saying just how much talent that I had. And how he had been watching me all class, looking back, very crazy. But at that moment, I was just so enamored and shocked. Like, oh my gosh, he sees my potential. He sees, you know, that I am capable and that I can eventually be, you know, someone that is doing his job one day, which would be dancing and teaching as a career. I saw that for myself so early on. And apparently he did too. So I immediately started taking private lessons with him which is a one-to-one lesson. So instead of a group setting you're in a one-to-one and just from the beginning I knew that ballroom was immediately my love. It became my everything. Everything that I thought about you know right when I woke up in the morning till the time I went to bed and I remember looking forward to those lessons so much and then all of a sudden Our relationship changed from me being the student to us being sort of equals. And when I say that, there was about a 15-year age gap between the two of us. So that should have never been the case. I definitely should have been the student, and he should have been my instructor, and that is how things should have stayed. But the interesting thing about the ballroom industry and the way that ballroom dance relies on a partner is that things can get messy and tricky and inappropriate really easily. So there started to be a lot of like flirtations and kind of touches of the arm in a very specific way or touches of the leg in a very specific way or really long drawn out hugs and comments made about my body and that kind of thing. And I just remember being like, is this happening? Like, is this man actually interested in me or am I just making this up in my mind? And I had been training for about six months at that time. And there was a big competition here in Asheville. It was my favorite competition of the year. And it was called the heritage classic. And it was at the Grove park Inn at the time. And I remember he sent me a message and said that he had my score sheet from the competition and that I could come up to his room and get it. So immediately my heart was pounding. Like I knew what was about to happen. I knew that something was about to go down. And so I went up to his room and he said, you can come on in, like go ahead and close the door behind you. And so I closed the door and I turned around and he started kissing me. And, I just remember having this mixed feeling of this feels really good in the moment, but something feels off about this. I always had that kind of intuitive hit that there was something wrong with this situation, but I always ignored it. So after that, there continued to be, you know, years of us being in this sort of kind of like hidden relationship. So that was going on while I was continuing to compete and practice and perform. And it just kept getting more and more involved. This was also around the time where my eating disorder started to occur. When I look back at it, ballroom has this really beautiful sparkle in my mind. And then it also has this really deep, dark shadow. What really bothers me and why I wanted to have this conversation is that The dark side of the ballroom industry is never highlighted. People see Dancing with the Stars. They see, you know, these beautiful, glamorous competitions. And nobody is talking about the really toxic, horrible things that are going on behind the scenes and how, most importantly, women are treated. And it's very prevalent in the ballet industry. It's very prevalent in industries such as, like, you know, commercial dancing and being a part of a company or being, you know, backup dancer or something like that. But in ballroom, everyone tends to see the good parts. And that's why I really want to highlight this because not only was I going through a sort of, you know, grooming process with someone, if you will, much older than me and in a relationship where I was paying him to dance with me, the money element adds a whole other aspect. But then also I was dealing with an eating disorder because once you immerse yourself in the industry, especially something like ballroom, where comments are made from your coaches or your partners about your body or about other women's bodies, all of a sudden that's all you can think about. Losing weight, getting smaller. I remember I would work out multiple times a day. I would write down my food intake. I would track my calories. I was so obsessive. I had such severe body dysmorphia. It was just a disaster and it was all going on behind the scenes. No one knew about it because I just thought that it was normal. And I remember one time having a partner comment that I would never make it in international Latin because of my figure, because my hips were bigger And because my hips were bigger, I should stick to American rhythm. And I won't go deep into that because it's completely unnecessary and irrelevant. But the point is that not only to myself, but also to my friends that were in the same studio at the time, the comments that were made about our bodies were so inappropriate, so disgusting, so completely out of line. And we had no clue. We had no clue that that was something that was wrong. We just thought, okay, in order for me to be a better dancer, I need to change my body. I need to sleep with this instructor. I need to kind of let myself go and kind of give my body my soul, everything over to this form of dance, to my teacher, to whoever it is that's leading me, you know, towards this path of success in the ballroom industry. And I know for a fact that this was going on with multiple students of my age at the same time. Students that I ended up becoming friends with later in life because we all connected on the fact that we were being blinded by this person, by this dance instructor who we trusted. And it just makes me so sad to know that this is happening in the ballroom industry. It's happening in all industries but especially in the ballroom industry when you rely on a male partner. So saying anything about this isn't really an option when you love it so much and you will do anything to be successful in the industry. And I just remember this one time, and it makes me so sad for this version of myself, but she really didn't know any better. And if she did know better, she was scared out of her mind, Speak up for herself and to say something. And I just remember I was at his house, I think, and I was okay with the kissing, I was okay with you know cuddling, that kind of stuff. But I remember it was always pushed further and further, and I said, you know, stop, I'm not comfortable with this. Like, can we just like stop? And I remember him pulling my clothes off, you know, trying to unhook my bra, completely ignoring what I was saying and I just said again please can you just stop like I'm not comfortable with this and he's he would just say oh that's okay that's it's okay like it's okay let's just keep going and I remember I just kept going because I was so terrified of not having him as an instructor because he was all at the time that I had Asheville's a very small place for a ballroom and I knew that he was my best option And so I just gave in to whatever he wanted for the most part. And usually I did put up a boundary in some capacity, but it always went further than I wanted it to. And it's heartbreaking. And I just know that other women not only had way worse experiences with this man, unfathomable experiences, but not just him. It's just so many men in the ballroom industry have corrupted the partnership. They know that they have the power, that it's harder for a woman to find a male partner than it is for a male partner to find a female partner. So they use that as leverage. They know that you need them and they just want you to bow down to them and satisfy their needs. And that's exactly what happened to me up until that point. And so after that, I remember a few weeks later meeting my now husband, Luke, for the first time. And I was very interested in him. And so I came to one of my dance lessons and told my instructor that I was dating someone. And, you know, we had to kind of cut things off. And I remember after that, everything changed. Not only did he not like really teach me anymore our lessons he would waste like 20 minutes in the bathroom and then he would talk to the other couple on the dance floor for like 15 minutes and then he would teach me the same thing that he had taught me the last week and I knew at that point I was just wasting my money so at this time was around when I was graduating high school and my parents kind of gave me the ultimatum to go to college for dance if I wanted to continue dancing or to Use a different career path because they really wanted me to go to college. So I chose the only school in the country that offered a ballroom dance degree, and that was Utah Valley University. So what did I do? I packed up my stuff and drove across the country to Utah to live. And I just remember being so terrified. It was the first time that I was away from my family. It was the first time that I was going to be out on my own. I had just started dating this really cute guy, and now all of a sudden we're doing long distance. There was just a lot of changes, but I needed that step so deeply in my transformational journey, in my evolution, because it kind of started to shift my view of what was possible in my life. And even though I only lasted a year, because it was a really grueling program. I was part of the Utah Valley formation team and we had practices at 6 a.m. in the morning, dance classes all day, and then I worked until midnight at the library and then started all over again. So it was just too much, and my body could not sustain and could not handle it. And so also I missed my boyfriend at the time that we were doing long distance. So that is when I decided to move back to North Carolina. So I only lasted in Utah a year. I felt like I learned a lot, but I really wanted to move towards a more competitive experience, competitive career in international Latin. So like I said before, I did American rhythm and smooth when I was in Asheville. And then, you know, everywhere else in the country tends to put Latin as the main priority in competitions and everywhere else in the world as well. So I really wanted that to be my main focus. So I moved back to North Carolina and found a coach in Charlotte that one of my friends was training with, and her progress was just incredible. And she said nothing but amazing things about him. And he was a family man. He was married. He had a daughter. I didn't worry about the, you know, same experience that I had in Asheville that wasn't something that I thought would happen and I also just knew that people that danced with him progressed so much so I moved to Charlotte and started competing and training with we'll call him C. I trained with C for a year and it was the best experience that I could have possibly had I mean he was an amazing teacher He cared so deeply about his students. I felt like I improved so much. We got to travel to some amazing places and compete. And I did really well. I placed really well. But ultimately, it financially was not possible. A lot of people don't realize this about the ballroom world. But when you compete pro-am, which is a professional and an amateur, which means that essentially you're paying your partner, you're paying your instructor to dance with you, to compete with you. There are so many costs. I mean, the cost of a lesson alone so expensive. Then on top of that, you've got your competition fees, which are in the five to ten to twenty thousand dollars per competition. Then you've also got your costumes, which are again five to ten to twenty thousand dollars per dress, and it's just not feasible if you don't grow up with money. If you don't have a really lucrative job, especially as someone who was just moving out on her own, who was just getting her bearings as an adult, I just quite frankly couldn't afford it. And also, my family had always had to struggle with the financial aspect of the ballroom world because it was always out of our range, it was always out of our league. And they tried to help me as long as possible, but at the end of the day, They just couldn't continue to help me. So I did end up getting some sponsorships, which was really cool. And I did have some great support from grandparents, but ultimately I couldn't make it work anymore. So that is when I decided to look for an amateur partner. That way that we could split the cost and start to kind of develop a partnership that would be, you know, that would be one that could last and that we could compete together and travel together and teach together and all the things that kind of come with a ballroom career. Because essentially as a ballroom dancer, you've got kind of two ways that you can make it your career. And that is competing, performing in one category, and then teaching in the other category. So that's ultimately what I always work towards. And so when I moved to Charlotte, I reconnected with Uh, we'll call him T. I reconnected with T, and he was a dancer at the Asheville Ballroom when I was there. We connected for a short amount of time. We kind of both went separate ways, and he was actually back in Charlotte doing these Dancing with the Stars fundraiser shows, and he was putting on these incredible shows. Basically, what they would do is host a local Dancing with the Stars, and they would take You know, quote unquote celebrities from the town, and they would compete in a Dancing with the Stars competition, and it would be raising money for um, a charity. In this case, it was Relay for Life at the time. And I was so fascinated by what he was doing. He was making really good money, and he was also interested in finding a competitive partner. So we reconnected, and we were really just friends at first. It was definitely just a friendly, kind of friendly thing going on. And then around that same time, I had actually broken up with Luke. Again, Luke is my current husband. So we definitely went through a lot of tumultuous relationship times. But at the time we were broken up, I really just wanted to focus on my ballroom career. And at the time, I just felt like we were in really different places. I was very young. He's about eight years older than me. So we were just in different spectrums of our life and of our evolutions and so I was kind of having fun flirting and dating and all the things and T was kind of readily available and also we were doing similar things so he was really passionate about teaching and putting on these shows and I was really passionate about teaching as well and also getting more into my competitive career so at that point it really was just a friendship and And we started to kind of work together as like business partners because he had offered to put on one of these Dancing with the Stars showcases in my hometown, which I just thought would be amazing to host this type of show in my hometown because I was thinking about me when I was younger and not seeing anything other than what people in my hometown did, which was typically, you know, sports go to college, get a nine-to-five, have babies, that kind of like really basic Southern path. And I just thought about how cool it would be to bring ballroom to this town, to put on a Dancing with the Stars show in this town, and to have younger women see that like dance was an option for them as a career path. I just thought it would be amazing. So I immediately said yes. I didn't have anything to lose at the time. I was really just focusing on dance full time. And I was also working at a plant-based restaurant in Charlotte called Living Kitchen. So my ties weren't really intense. I had a lot of free time. And so we decided to put on the show together. That is when our lives became intertwined with money, business. And then all of a sudden we had a connection. All of a sudden there was a kind of spark between us and we ended up in a relationship, which is so fascinating to me. How this is a pattern in my life, but also it also has a lot to do with the ballroom industry in general. Just again, those expectations there. If you're dancing with someone, there can tend to be this like romantic connection there because ballroom is very sensual. I mean, you're doing dances like rumba, salsa. You know, you're very close. You're very connected. And if you don't know how to set boundaries there, which is like not really a thing in the ballroom industry, then it's very easy to end up in a relationship. And I see that so many times with people who are partners and also dating or also married. And I remember in Utah, when I was dancing there, there was someone who was dating their instructor. Again, he was like in his thirties. She was a teenager a very young teenager, when they first got together, it's a pattern that I see constantly. And so, of course, I fell into that same kind of loop of dance, money, business, and relationship, and more of the physical side of a relationship. And so we officially started dating as we were putting on this show. And I started to see, I had seen it before, let's be very honest, I had seen these narcissistic tendencies before. I had seen really like emotionally abusive tendencies and not always directed at me, but they did of course start to become directed at me. And it was one of the scariest times of my life was when I was completely intertwined with someone and then realized that they are a full-blown narcissist and I am trapped. And I think that that is Such a common experience in today's world where women get in these relationships and they're so blinded by the physical element, by just having a relationship. They're blinded by the money, the business, in this case, the dancing. I was so blinded by everything that I completely set my intuition aside and let this person really just crumble me in every single aspect. I was literally a heap on the floor (laughs) when our relationship ended and kind of what ended up evolving was I started seeing emotional abuse and then I started seeing sex as something that was used as leverage and then I started seeing a lot of deceit and lies. And then the gaslighting started and then I saw his narcissist ego come out. And at that point I was so deep into the process of dancing with the Yancy Stars that I couldn't get out. And I remember I wanted out so badly, and I had a conversation with him. It was probably a week and a half before our show, and at this time, my whole town is involved. Tens of thousands of dollars have went into putting on this show. We ultimately had, like, almost 800 people come, which was more than any other show in the history of my small hometown. There was too many people in there work and money that they had put into it at that point to call it quits. And I just remember thinking, my God, why could I have not listened to my intuition? Why didn't I listen to everyone that told me that this person was a psychopath? Why did I do this to myself? And ultimately, again, it was my love for dance. It was also my ego driving me to have this like career in ballroom that I so desperately needed to validate myself. Those things kept putting me in the situation that I was in. And at that point, I was so deep in that getting out was almost impossible. And going back to the story, I remember a week before the show, I just said, you know, I can't do this anymore. I can't be in a relationship with you. I just feel like we're not working out. And he threatened to pull out of the show. And if I lost him in the show, I lost everything. I mean, he was my lead dancer. He had multiple partners. Um, If you've seen Dancing with the Stars, you know, there's professional. And then again, there's like an amateur. So he was professional in multiple partnerships. And it just wasn't possible for me to lose him. And so once again, I stepped it up. And I was like, you know what? We'll deal with this after the show. We're good. And I just remember my heart breaking into a million tiny pieces because the last thing that I wanted to do Was go home to him that night. The last thing that I wanted to do was have him anywhere near me. And I knew in my heart that I was losing a piece of myself by allowing this person in my life. But at that point, I didn't see another option. So after that happened, we continued to the show. The show itself was one of the most magical nights of my life. I just remember the curtain opening and seeing this auditorium that when I booked it, they said, this place has never been booked out. You know, don't expect to have a full house. It's never happened before. And I remember thinking, well, maybe have a few hundred people. And I remember seeing almost a thousand people in the auditorium. People were standing. And I just, I was like, oh my God, we did this. Like we did this. This is amazing. And it was such a thrilling night to get to see these, you know, people that I grew up around perform and dance ballroom and see the little girls run up to us after the show and be like, I want to be a ballroom dancer one day. You know, that was so cool. But I knew that as soon as the show was over, I was so ready to end the relationship. And I remember everything was said and done. Everyone had left from the show and I was planning on going home to my parents' house and staying the night and then driving back to Charlotte the next day. And I remember T, he wanted me to come to Charlotte and celebrate. And I did not, that was the last thing I wanted to do was spend one more second around this person who I had seen be so terrible during this whole process to me, to his partners. I saw him degrade people. I saw him talk to people like they were worthless. I did not want to be around him whatsoever. And so I said, no, no. And I said, I'm going to go stay with my parents tonight. We will discuss this in the morning. And I remember he locked me in the car. We were in the parking lot. He locked me in the car. It was probably like 12.30 or 1 in the morning. And he started driving. And I remember just begging him to let me out of the car. At this point, he was going so fast. If I tried to unlock the car and jump out, I would have really hurt myself. So, I was begging him to, you know, just please stop the car. And I remember at one point he was going like 110 in a 35 miles per hour zone. And he said, I'm going to take you to your parents' house and tell them what a slut you are and tell them how like nasty you are and all of these like horrible things. And to be quite honest, my parents are the most conservative people. I grew up as my dad as a pastor. And so for him to threaten me and divulge information about our relationship and say that I used him and I slept with him in order to have him host the show with me. Those things were horrifying to me. And I was not about to allow that to happen. And also my parents had just experienced me have one of the best nights of my life. And now he's about to ruin that. No, I was not here for it. So I, I begged and pleaded and begged and pleaded. And I also was so scared that he was going to kill us. Like it was going to be kind of a suicide, double suicide mission because he was very much at that point at his max. Um, and he eventually pulled over. And I remember my heart was pounding so, so fast. And I just remember thinking to myself, say whatever you have to say to get him to take you back to your car. And I just remember having to suck up my pride and lie to him and say, Hey, we're going to work this out. Like, you know, at this point he is sobbing, emotional. And I said, Hey, you know, we're going to work this out. We're going to get through this together. Will you please just take me back to my car and then we will reconnect tomorrow. And just remember how scared and upset at myself that I was for putting myself in that situation in the first place and thinking, I will never allow this to happen again. Like, if I make it out of tonight, which at that point, I had no idea what was going to happen. I was 100% terrified for my life. And I just remember thinking, if I make it through this, things are about to change. And he did turn the car around. He took me back to the high school and back to my car. And I just remember getting back in my car, locking it, and my hands were shaking so hard I could barely drive home. And when I got home, I kind of composed myself because I didn't want my parents to know what I just went through because at that point, they didn't even know I was in a relationship with this person because I was so embarrassed of being in a relationship with someone that was such a terrible person, that was such a narcissist. And so I decided that I would tell them the next morning and that I would go take care of situation the next morning. Before I get into kind of how the story ends, I think it's really important to note that a lot of the beautiful experiences in my dance journey, competing across the world, getting to dance with incredible dancers, getting to teach, getting to put on this show that was one of the most important days of my life, The show was actually dedicated to my grandmother, my Grammy, and she passed away when I was 10 with leukemia. And so it was really important for me to dedicate that show to her. We used to watch Dancing with the Stars, and so you think you can dance together. And I feel like she kind of put the spark in my mind of dancing and of the love for dance. And so to have that taken away by yet again, this experience of kind of a forced relationship, a forced sexual relationship with a person that I didn't even want. I hate that that was my experience because I loved ballroom more than anything. Anyone will tell you that knew me at the time that I loved ballroom so deeply. And to have all of that taken away every single time by a man. A man that his ego was just controlling him. And he thought he could use his position of power to get exactly what he wanted. I mean, I guess they did. That doesn't mean they're happy people. I think they're very unhappy and very terrible people. But I think that I really wanted to make this podcast because I never, ever want someone to go through what I went through and to notice the warning signs, and also to listen to your intuition. Because most importantly, I ignored my intuition, and that is why I got in that position in the first place. I ignored everything. I ignored the way that he talked to other people. I ignored the signs that were very obviously given to me. I ignored what other people had said about working with him and dancing with him in the past. And I was broken. I was 100% broken. I had no idea who I was anymore. And I just remember the next day when I went to have a conversation with him, the cops actually ended up showing up. And I looked around and I thought, is this what my life is? Like, is this what dance has led me to? And I just remember being so angry with dance and, remember just going back home to my parents' house and lying in my mom's bed and just sobbing and saying how much I hated dance and how much like dance had destroyed my life. And it makes me really emotional, I'm going to cry, makes me really emotional to look back and see that that was me. And that's where I was. I was at my lowest of lows at that point in my life. I had been taken advantage of, I had been sexually and emotionally abused. I had been destroyed. And there was none of Ashland left at that point. There was no spark. There was no love for dance. There was there was nothing. Oh my god, I <laughs> this is getting emotional. I just didn't know how emotional. <laughs> Okay, <laughs> I had to take a little bit of a beat there. Oh my goodness, that brought up so much. But I think why it brings up so much is I look back at that version of myself, and she is unrecognizable to who I am now in the most beautiful way, and how I've kind of turned my life around with dance and found a new relationship with dance it's shocking to me to see where I was at that point in my life with myself, with my relationship to myself. I truly in that moment hated who I was. I hated that I let myself get to that point. I hated that I wasn't further in my dance journey than I was. I hated my body. And it's just wild because those things are not even part of my sphere anymore. They're not even part of my mindset. And I just wanted to kind of insert that as I was getting very emotional because it's it's a, it's a lot to see where I was. And it's very good for me to look back and see where I was, but see where I am now and just be like, Oh my God, I came through all of that. And I'm so confident and happy and I love dancing and I love my life. But at that moment, I did not think that those things would ever be possible for me. My loves, let's pause for a moment. I have a question for you. What if you could completely transform your dancing and your life in just 90 days? What if you had the confidence to finally go after the things that you desire to manifest all that you have ever wanted to step into your highest expression of self all simply by dancing in a heel i'm so excited to share that my signature heels and burlesque program Calm the Dance, the heels method will be open for enrollment again in august 2022 CHM is a 90-day program that will not only build your dance technique from the ground up and teach you how to be confident AF on the dance floor, but it also gives you the tools to tap deeper into your limiting beliefs, get to the root of what's holding you back through spiritual tools and one-to-one guidance with myself, and finally live the life you are meant to. What if you could live without the fear of pleasing others? What if you could stop comparing yourself to other dancers? What if you didn't hate your body? What if you didn't live in a place of scarcity and uncertainty? What if you could finally take control? CHM includes 12 weeks of confidence, healing, spirituality, burlesque, and heals curriculum, weekly mentor calls with me, as well as six live group workshops, exclusive dance choreo and technique classes only for CHM students, access to the CHM community, and a magical care package with all the tools that you need to thrive in this experience. Every single woman who has enrolled in this program will tell you that it completely changed her life. I have watched babes quit their jobs, manifest homes, and partnership, begin their career in burlesque, and ultimately stop worrying about what everyone else wants for them and truly embodying their most confident self grab a spot on the wait list just click the link below in the show notes I would love to see you in this next round and so I remember taking a few weeks and just trying to figure out what the hell I was going to do next because so much of my life had just been turned upside down and at that time my ex Luke and I started to reconnect And I feel like he has always been an important part of my healing process. He was always kind of there for me when things with dance went badly. And that's one of the reasons why we never worked out really, because it was always this conflict of the ballroom industry or him. Relationships within the ballroom industry or him. I could never have both. And so I remember... I just wanted a change. I wanted a change of scenery. I wanted to be around different people in the industry. And so I decided to move back to Utah pretty soon after we started dating again to find an amateur partner and start competing. Also, Utah is known for their ballroom dancing, which means that there are more men available to dance with versus in North Carolina, you know, very slim pickings here when it comes to ballroom partners. So I figured this would be a final, hopefully great attempt at finding a partner and finding an amazing coach and really progressing forward in my Latin career. So I moved in with my best friend Savannah and her husband at the time. They were gracious enough to let me live with them as I figured all of this out. So I moved back across the country, back to Utah, in hopes of becoming the incredible professional Latin ballroom dancer that I'd always dreamed of. So as I was in the process of auditioning for partnerships in Utah, I got a phone call from an old dance instructor of mine who danced and worked with a group called Dancers at Sea. And essentially, what they did is they performed and taught ballroom dancing on cruise ships, and she got to travel all over the world. I just remember seeing all these amazing photos of her in Thailand and Africa, and I would always kind of subconsciously manifest it, just like I had done with Dancing with the Stars. Like, I know I'm going to be part of Dancing with the Stars in some capacity, and it turns out it was through a show in my hometown, but I kind of did the same thing with dancing on a cruise ship. And so I got a call from her and she said, Hey, I am supposed to leave for this Baltic cruise. It's a 14 day cruise. And something came up with one of my family members. And I was just wondering if you would be able to take my spot on the cruise ship. And at that point, I was like, okay, do I go for this thing that I've always wanted to do? It paid really well. I would get to see some incredible places. The ship was actually going to Russia and Amsterdam and Copenhagen and Estonia and all of these really beautiful places. Or do I like focus on my ballroom career and try to find a partner? And I took about an hour or so to think about it. And it was truly a no brainer. I had been working so hard to find a partner in ballroom and look how far it had gotten me at this point. So why not go for something that I'd always wanted to do? I loved to travel. Traveling is one of my biggest passions. And so getting to combine that with dance just seemed like the perfect opportunity. So I said yes, and a few weeks later took off for my first cruise. So this was actually one of several cruises that I did. I think I ended up going on about three with them. But the first one was just incredible, mostly because of our destinations that we got to go to. And it was just such a cool experience. You definitely were treated like royalty. The students were amazing. It was a lot of older people, and they were just so kind. And I had never experienced travel in that way, where I was literally in a new country every single day. And essentially being paid to dance and paid to travel at the same time, it was a dream job. At that point, my body was kind of starting to break down a little bit, the beginning of what would be a serious injury. My back was starting to kind of go out randomly, and I was just having a really hard time keeping up with the pace because we would dance for hours and hours on end, especially in the evening time. And so it was a lot on my body, along with the stress of traveling and being in a new place. It was just taking a toll on my body. But I kind of pushed those feelings aside because they did ask me to do multiple cruises. And the first one was so amazing. I thought, of course, why not? And while I was on this cruise, I met another man who was an instructor quite a bit older than me. He was in his 40s. I was in my early 20s. And immediately, it was like the same pattern, once again, repeating itself. A lot of flirtations, a lot of like, hey, let's, you know, practice with each other. Maybe we could be dance partners together. And it became very uncomfortable for me. I was definitely not into him. I was still dating Luke at the time and just made my experience a little uncomfy. And the third time that I went on the cruise ship, I actually had to room, stay in a room with this man. Apparently, the owner of Dancers at Sea thought that this would be okay because the girl that I took her place on the cruises, her and this man were like best friends. And there was no, as far as we know, you know, sexual romantic relationship there. And she thought it would be okay. And I just remember walking into this tiny ass cruise ship room. If you've ever been on a cruise ship, the rooms in the middle of the ship are so tiny so suffocating we were literally on top of each other and i was mortified you would think that after everything i had been through i would stand up for myself immediately and be like hey this isn't going to work but my self-worth and my boundaries were just not there yet and so i just dealt with it and i remember one night he just kept going on and on about like how we should hook up and It's not a big deal. And my boyfriend would never find out. And once again, it was like the universe was trying to put a mirror up to my face and be like, you are repeating the same patterns. And even though I wasn't even about to have a relationship with this person, I was still letting that same cycle happen over and over again, where people thought, men thought that it was okay to act that way. In that scenario. And I was vulnerable anyway. I felt so uncomfortable sleeping next to this person that I had no idea who they were, that they could rape me in my sleep and nobody would have ever known. And also that another woman put me in that situation is just mind blowing. So anyway, I called the owner of Dancers at Sea and I just kind of explained to her what was going on, but it was like maybe five days into the cruise and it was an eight day cruise. So I waited until almost the end to tell her, but I did still call her and let her know. And I think she eventually said something to him because there was no more, you know, insinuations after that. There was no more comments made. It was just kind of over from that point on. So yes, I had manifested this incredible opportunity to dance on a cruise ship and to travel the world, but At that point, it was tainted, and I just wanted to go home. So I went back to Utah after this third and final trip and decided that Dancers at Sea was no longer going to be something that I wanted to do. It was an amazing experience, but it was grueling on my body. You know, you're stuck on a ship for a lot of the time, which to me was very confining. And I did not want to be in a situation with that person again. And so I went back to Utah, and this is when I started looking for a partner. After about two weeks of being back in Utah, I found a dance partner pretty quickly. We connected really well. We danced together really well, and we were both kind of at the same level. So it made it easier for us to solidify a partnership and start training. We started training with Michael Johnson, who's a very famous dancer, teacher at the time. He trained people like Derek and Julianne Huff and Mark Ballas. And there was just so many people that he had trained that were really well known in the ballroom space. So I knew that he would be a great instructor. And so we started training with him. And at that point, again, I kid you not, there were some things that went down where my partner tried to kissed me, tried to say that we needed to start a relationship together. And Luke and I were still dating at that point, And he was basically like, I can't do this anymore. This is not going to work out for me. You know, I think he had just been through this so many times with me that he was very much fed up with the ballroom industry and the ups and downs and the constantly having to worry about me, like cheating on him or something like that. So We broke up due to that and other reasons as well. We were just on completely different pages with our life at that point. And I was devastated. Absolutely heartbroken. Just didn't see it coming. And also, there was something about Luke and I's connection that was so special. And I just always kind of assumed that we would end up together. Which is funny because we did. (laughs) But at the time, you know, it was over. It was over for him. And that breakup, along with just the trauma of everything else that I had been through from Dancing with the Stars to my past instructors to what had just happened at Dancers at Sea and the fact that I did not want to be in a relationship with my current dance partner, my body just collapsed. Both my back and my knees went completely out of one of my practices. The sharp pain that went through my body was literally like someone just sliced me open with a knife from the bottom of my feet all the way up to my lower back. And I remember going to the doctor and they said, it's either you walk when you're 50 or you keep dancing ballroom. I had been hyperextending my knees for years and the stress, the financial stress from ballroom and also the stress from everything that I went through. Was resonating in my lower back and I was destroying my body and I remember being so angry but also so relieved that I didn't have to put myself through it anymore it was like a chapter was closing and the thought of losing my identity as a ballroom dancer was horrifying but also I was like, oh my God, I don't have to go through this anymore. I don't have to go through the pain of loving something so deeply and it constantly slapping you in the face over and over again that you're never going to be good enough, that you have to sleep with everyone in the industry in order to be successful. It was like, what a relief that I don't have to go through that anymore. And at that point, I just crawled into my cave, <laughs> which was my really tiny office bedroom at Savannah's house. It was an office that had been turned into a bedroom, so it was very, very small. And I was working from home doing a photography and social media job, so I had a lot of time that I could focus on my healing. I also was no longer in partnership, so I was not only healing my body, but I was healing my heart. And I was healing my mind from the ballroom industry. So I was healing every single facet of myself. But I knew if I didn't heal, I wouldn't be here the following year. There was no option. It was either you heal or you're going to be so miserable that you don't want to be on this planet anymore. And I'm so glad, as scary and as horrible as that sounds, I am so glad that that is what came to me in that moment, that I had the awareness, the self-awareness enough to know that something had to change. I had so much I needed to heal. And luckily I feel like I saw the light at the end of the tunnel, even though I didn't know how that would happen or how I would get there. I had damage from the ballroom world. I needed to heal and that trauma. I had the relationship trauma and heartbreak. I had body dysmorphia. I had ultimately learning who I was and trying to find a new direction for my life because the past seven or eight years had completely revolved around a career in ballroom. And so it was a full rediscovery of self. And so I took about two months off of dancing completely just to let my body heal. And that's when I started doing yoga and yoga was really the first place where I found, like, a new love for my body, and appreciation for my body. And I did a very restorative form of yoga. One pose that I had, and I would do it for about 20 minutes a day, was just simply lying on my back with my knees and my legs kind of elevated at a 90-degree angle. And I would visualize the pain from my back and from my knees just seeping out through my feet back into the earth. I also did a lot of healing around my root chakra and my sacral chakra, so focusing on feeling safe and comforted through my root chakra and also my sacral chakra because of all the sexual trauma and all of the kind of shame that I had around that as well. I started doing a practice called Journal Speak, which is essentially a form of journaling by Nicole Sachs. I highly recommend if you have any type of pain to look into her book. It is incredible. And it's a form of journaling where you're putting your most intense, deepest, darkest feelings onto the page. You never read it again. You never look back at it. It's simply a way to process stuck emotion. And it was so healing for me to be able to get out these things that, oh my goodness, if someone read it back, they would think I was a psychopath, truly. (laughs) But it's about processing those emotions. And I had so much anger. I had anger from childhood, which I went into a lot with Lacey Phillips' work and inner child reprogramming. I had anger from my ex, from Luke at the time. I had anger from T and from Z and all of these people in the ballroom world that I felt like had hurt me in so many ways. And I just processed it all through journaling. I also did a lot of manifestation and reprogramming work like I said with Lacey Phillips and that was so healing. In her inner child work, she takes you back in time. And we actually do this in my program, Confidence as well. We go back in time to our inner child and to the experiences that they had and we reprogram them. We change them in our subconscious. That way they're not something that's constantly coming back up in our lives over and over again. And that was really powerful as well because I actually grew up with a mom with back pain. She actually didn't work at all from when I was like 10 years old on. She had constant back pain. She was laying down all the time. And I feel like I inherited that from her emotionally. I feel like maybe from the womb as well, from her mother and her mother before that. A lot of ancestral trauma. I was just working through a lot. And I did that through yoga, through general speech, through meditation, through hypnosis. And I finally started feeling good again in my body. I finally started feeling like myself. I also, at the time, was dealing with IBS, so irritable bowel syndrome. My stomach was a mess, my acne was terrible. I was just trying to heal my body in every single way possible. And when the emotional stuff started to clear up, this is so important to healing. When the emotional side started to heal, my body started to heal. And I realized, and once again, I'm going to go so much deeper to this in the episode because it's a whole episode in itself, but I realized that all my pain was subconscious. It was energetic. And so when I figured that out, My road to recovery and back into dance was so much faster. And at that point, two months after all this trauma had went down, I felt like I was finally ready. I missed dance so much, and I knew that I had to have it in my life in some way. And that is when I discovered burlesque. There was a burlesque class at Millennium in Salt Lake City, And I remember thinking, oh, I feel like I can do this. You know, my body feels ready for it. It said heels were optional, so I knew I would probably just dance barefoot for the sake of my body at the time. And I remember taking class with Winter Rose. And I'm so excited because Winter is going to be coming on the podcast. She's actually going to be our next guest here on the podcast. And I remember taking class with her. And Winter was actually so beautifully kismet and a message from the universe she was a latin dancer turned burlesque and heels dancer and she had been through the ballroom world she was very successful and now she was dancing burlesque and teaching burlesque and i vibe with her energy she did a meditation at the beginning of class kind of like an energy clearing and Then we danced to a Christina Aguilera song, and I still remember everything about that class. I think it was Ain't No Other Man. I think that was the name of the song. And I was my most free, exuberant, lit up self. I found my love for dance again. I found my love for my body again. I felt like surrounded in a room by all these incredible humans by this instructor that was holding space for us, by this really just open, free style of movement that burlesque is, once again, I found my home in dance. And I was just officially hooked, 110%. It changed my life. That one class changed my entire life. And I knew that everything I had been through had brought me to that moment. Something about it in my soul resonated so deeply with me. Burlesque is sensual. It's sexy. It connects to a character. It's very performative. It's also great for anyone of any dance level. You don't have to have any prior experience to dance burlesque. And I love that. I love that it was an open and safe space. I connected to every single aspect of it. But one of the main things that I love so much about burlesque is that, yes, it is very sensual. It is very sexy. But that I no longer had to put that energy towards a man, towards a partner. Like, it was all about me. And I remember that winter made it very clear at the beginning of every single burlesque class that it was an internal experience before it was an external. And I was so used to dance being ego-focused or to being focused towards another person, towards my partner. And now it was just for me, which was so incredibly empowering and such a breath of fresh air compared to my ballroom experience with the sensuality and sexuality side of things and making it about me. And so I knew that I needed more, that this was the thing that I could throw myself into I could put my passion hat back on for dance and really dive into the style. And that is when I found Tia Aono, also Tia Cakes on Instagram. And uh, she had a program called Heal in a Heel or Body Confidence. So anytime I say healing in a heel, this is where I'm getting it from is her concept of healing in a heel and body confidence. And Tia was also the heels instructor at Millennium. So she was known as like the heels guru. She was the heels queen. So the difference between heels and burlesque, and I'll go into this again in a later episode, heels is kind of like every kind of style of dance in a heel. So maybe that's hip hop, maybe that's jazz. You can really do anything in a heel. If you see backup dancers, you know, dancing behind Justin Bieber or dancing behind J-Lo, that's heels, essentially. There are so many different forms of movement that you can do in a heel. Whereas burlesque is more of a jazzy, sultry, kind of slower form of dance that really relies on characterization versus technique. So that's kind of the main aspects of the two. I took her program, Heel and a Heel. It was her first round, and the principle of it was gaining body confidence, confidence in general through dancing in a heel, and it was very beginner. I had attempted her heels class at Millennium, and I was just not ready for it. Heels is very technical, and I was coming from the ballroom world where you're not used to learning choreography, so I was just a hot mess. So when I saw that she was doing this, I think it was a six-week program, I knew that I had to try it, so I signed up right away, and at this moment, I was still really going through the breakup aspect of my healing. So I feel like I had really healed my body. I had really worked through a lot of the trauma from the ballroom industry, but the breakup with Luke was the thing that I was having a hard time with because I felt like it was going to work that time. I felt like we were soulmates, which we are, spoiler alert. But (laughs) at that moment, I just felt like we were supposed to be together. And it didn't make sense to me that he had broken my heart, you know, as most people feel when they get broken up with. But I just felt like this really big void. And so healing a heal really heals my heart. And I, I say that with full confidence, knowing that I don't know how I would have healed through that breakup if it wasn't for this class. The community aspect was one of the most important parts, the way that Everyone cheered for one another the way that everyone lifted each other up. It wasn't like the ballroom industry where we were all competing against each other. It was a loving, safe environment where we could be our full, authentic self. We could mess up. We could forget the choreo, and we would still be loved and supported. We were also able to embrace our sexy side, our vibrant side, our really passionate and intense and angry side. Tia did a really good job of bringing all types of choreography, music choices, And really helping us to play in every single emotion. And it lit me up from the inside out. It really did. And so combining heels and burlesque, I really found my passion. And burlesque, winter also danced it in a heel. So I started just dancing in heels full time. That became my passion. So I would drive an hour to Salt Lake City because I was living in Provo at the time. Each way, three to five days a week. I was so dedicated. And Winter and Tia really just became my mentors, and I immersed myself in their work, in their communities. I met the most incredible human beings. I mean, the community that I built within those two classes, burlesque and heels, the most incredible people I've ever met in my entire life. So supportive and loving and free. I mean, that is kind of what I think when I think of all the women that I dance with, just really free spirits, all healing from something, but also all working towards the same goal of being their most authentic, competent, radiant goddess self. And so at the same time, I was doing a lot of inner healing as well, alongside Natalia Benson, my amazing money manifestation business coach. And alongside Lacey Phillips, with her spiritual work and with her manifestation work, and really getting to the root of our subconscious beliefs, because the subconscious is what rules us, and a lot of times we think our limiting beliefs come from external sources, but really they come from like deep rooted beliefs about ourselves. So I was doing a lot of that work on the side of throwing myself into training. And that's when I started teaching as well. So I got my yoga teacher training certificate and started teaching yoga. And then I also started teaching through Heal and Heal. Tia admired my dedication. I was always at classes. I cared so much about the community, and so she asked me to be one of the first Heal and Heal instructors. And so I really got to see what life would be like teaching heels and I loved it. I mean, I love teaching just as much as dancing and performing and a lot of people are like, I love performing. That's what lights me up. But to me, seeing people dance choreography that you give them and see them go from like maybe sad or not confident or unsure of themselves at the beginning of class to all of a sudden like killing this routine, looking confident AF, feeling like a badass in their body. That's what lit me up from the inside out and my confidence and my self-worth were just through the roof. At this point in my journey, I was really just enjoying my life in Salt Lake City. I was online dating, which was a whole experience in itself. I was dancing. I was teaching. I was traveling a lot to Paris, to Barcelona. My roommate and I just love traveling and so I really was getting to do everything that I ever wanted to do, but it felt like that something was missing, and to me, I just couldn't quite put my finger on what that was, and I was manifesting a lot. You know, I was doing all of the manifestation work with Lacey Phillips, and I was really kind of focusing on partnership because I felt like I was ready at that point. It had been a year and a half maybe almost two years since Luke and I had broken up and so I felt like this was a good time for me to be open to that but what I was seeing on the dating apps the people I was experiencing in that area just weren't it and I was really comparing it to this beautiful relationship that I had had with Luke in the past and so I went home for Christmas vacation for about two weeks And I got a random text from him, and he asked if we could just meet in person. And, you know, he would love to talk and just have the opportunity to talk. And something inside of me wanted to say no, but something else that was a little bit stronger wanted to say yes. And so I decided to meet up with him. We talked, and it was like we were able to finally get through all of the the shit that we had been holding back in our relationship, all of the trauma that we had went through as a couple and really just lay it all out there and also lay it out there, how much we missed each other and how much of a void we felt in our life without each other, because I was really thriving in dance at this point. I was feeling so good, no longer having to, you know, rely on men for partnership and not having to spend so much money just to get ahead in the ballroom industry I was just getting to dance and have fun and be surrounded by a community of women that was so supportive and loving. And I was living my best life. But again, there was like something that was missing and I'm not saying at all that partnership is needed in order to feel fulfilled. But Luke and I had this strong bond that I just couldn't, I couldn't let go of it. So we ended up getting back together for the last time officially Thank God it worked out this time, (laughs) and um, this kind of shifted my priorities a bit because I was really sick of doing long distance, even though I loved living in Salt Lake and training there. COVID had just hit, and things were getting really weird. Dance studios were closing down anyway, and so I thought it's time for me to move back to North Carolina. So I moved back to North Carolina to be closer to Luke and family during the pandemic, and of course I missed. Oh my gosh, I missed my girls in Salt Lake City so much. I remember they threw me this surprise going away party. And I had no i had no idea. And there was like 30 women there, 20 or 30 women there. I can't even remember. And they had spent so much time and effort throwing this party. And I remember walking in and just literally hitting the floor in tears because I had never felt so supported and loved in my life I remember winter my burlesque mama had prepared a routine for us and we all got to dance together one last time and giving that up to come back to North Carolina is is one of the hardest things I've ever done it's still something that I wish I could have both I wish I could have that community that I had to leave there as well as be here in the place that I love with the man that I love but it just wasn't possible and so I knew I wanted to recreate that in some way. I knew I wanted to figure out how I could cultivate my own community, teaching all the stuff that I learned through Heal and a Heal and through Winters for Less classes, as well as the spirituality and the healing work that I'd done, because I felt like my journey, the key to me being more competent, the key to my healing process, to healing my body. I mean, my body was like. 10 out of 10, I rarely ever have back pain anymore, and when I do, it's all emotional and stress-related, and I know exactly how to fix it. Like, my body and my life was at this beautiful place, and I knew that I could help other women experience that in their life, heal through trauma, all through dancing in a heel and the spiritual work. I felt like it really took both in order to get to the place that I was at, and so that is when the idea for Studio Slowly Luna was born. Everybody was dancing at home in COVID. And I had not really at that point seen someone combine dancing in a heel with practices and spiritualities such as meditation, tarot, manifestation, astrology. And I loved both so much. And so that's how the membership was born. I made sure that my apartment that I rented had a space for me to dance. That way I could film video content and put it up on the membership every single week. And the community really started to grow, but I felt like I wanted a bit more of an intentional experience, like more one-to-one work and really being able to walk people through the process instead of me just putting up videos of classes. I wanted it to be a little bit deeper and that is when the idea for confidence the Heels Method, which is my signature heels and Burlesque program, that is when that idea was born. And I cannot believe that everything in my life has led me to this point. It's just amazing how the universe works and we go through so much. And sometimes it feels like, what's the point? Like, why am I having to constantly revisit these, you know, these obstacles and why am I constantly having to go through the same thing over and over again? Because we're not actually, we're not actually seeing what the universe is trying to tell us. And for me, the universe was trying to say, Hey, There is a way to incorporate everything that you love about dance and everything that you love about healing and helping people in a way that's actually serving the planet, in a way that's not ego driven, but it's all about helping women to step into their power to be more confident. That is why you're here. You're not here to compete at ballroom competitions and use money in order to get ahead like that is not your purpose that is not it was fun while it lasted maybe <laughs> but that's not why you're here and so now I've seen confidence and the the way that it impacts these women's lives I've seen so many amazing transformations through this program and that is where I'm at with dancing right now It's just I train a lot online because I don't have a current heels or burlesque studio that I can go to here in Asheville so I take classes with Brenda Nicole and Kayla Brenda. I'm constantly bettering myself through healing work and spirituality and things that I can share with my clients and really immersing myself in the community here in Asheville. There is a Pulse studio called Dance Club and I currently teach burlesque there every single week. So I've really found my groove with dance and I found my love for dance again and I have the best relationship with dance with my body with myself than i've ever had before. And so i hope that as you see this process that i went through that it gives you some hope. It gives you some inspiration to see that everyone's journey looks so differently. And the most important thing that you can do is stay true to who you are. Like listen to yourself. Go after only the things that light you up from the inside out and don't let anyone else be in control of your life. I think that's one of the biggest things that I, if I regret anything, it's letting so many people try to decide what it is that I wanted out of my life. From my dance instructors to my parents to partners to friends, like those people, yes, some of them love you and really want the best for you, but nobody knows what's best for you other than yourself. And let me tell you, my heels and burlesque journey in itself hasn't even been easy. I've had a lot of hate and lashing out against what I do because like I said I come from a very conservative family and the way that my parents reacted when they found out about burlesque and heels was horrifying and you never want to disappoint the people that love you but if you are happy and you're doing what lights you up you've got to keep going and I never ever thought that I would do something that disappointed my family or that people around me thought was wrong or sinful or they judged me in such a way that I've been judged throughout this process but all of it has been worth it because I am living my truth right now like I am living my most confident best life and if I would have stopped I would have always had that void there because dance has been a pillar of my life and it's been my number one love throughout my entire life and so I think that the moral of this <laughs> story here, the kind of overall takeaway I want you to have is that you get to decide. You get to decide what your relationship is to everything. But most importantly, dance if that's something that you're interested in, or if you have always wanted to take a burlesque class but have been scared what other people think. Yes, people are going to judge you. It's just how this society is. But who cares? Like you have one life that you get to live, and. I'm definitely going to go into my experience with my family's reaction, especially with my mom, to Heels and Burlesque, but that, again, is a whole mother wound episode. It is a whole episode in itself, and we are at a good place right now, which I'm really grateful for, but even if we weren't, I would still be doing me. I would still be doing the things that make me happy because you can try to please everyone else, but it's never going to get you to the life that you want to live. And being confident and holding my ground in dance, which is what I teach all of my students in CHM, it teaches you how to do that in your life, in your relationships, in your jobs. It gives you that confidence and that empowering energy to take that forward in everything else that you do. And that's why I love dance. It's kind of a mirror for our lives. And it gives us that boost that we need to sometimes make hard decisions, to sometimes, you know, go after something that we've always dreamed of, but maybe people will judge it. Dance kind of gives us the tools and the motivation to just go for it. And that's what I love about burlesque as well. Like you get to kind of step into this persona. We call it our Sasha Fierce in CHM, just like Beyonce has her alter ego. You get to step into this version of yourself that. You're not used to maybe on a daily basis or you're scared to tap into. But having something like dance that puts you in that energy, eventually it continues on into your life. And eventually that becomes a piece of who you are. And I'm so grateful that dance is giving me everything it's given me. It's given me confidence. It's giving me travel and experiences. It's giving me... A way to tap into my sensuality my divine feminine and it's ultimately given me the life that I've always dreamed of which was a life of dance and being fulfilled by my passion and so with that being said I really hope that this episode served you in some way I know it was a lot a lot of ups and downs a lot of emotions It was a long episode, so if you are still listening, thank you so much for hanging in with me. But I encourage you that if dance is something that you have wanted to try, heels and burlesque, go for it. See if there's a studio near you or if you're not ready for that yet. I have so many videos on my YouTube channel. I have CHM that I talked about in the middle of the episode. You know, look into things like that because it will change your life forever in the most beautiful way and I would recommend anyone that ever asked about it to just go for it and try it and just see what happens and if you're already dancing, keep going. Even if it's not your main career, dance is a beautiful outlet, it's so healing, it's so much fun, it's good for our bodies. Like the benefits are infinite. Either go for it, take the class, or just keep going in your journey because you never know where it can lead you. Ballroom was from my ego, but dancing in a heel is from my soul. And I think that's the main difference is when we go for things in life, when we do anything, if it's led by our ego, it's going to crash and burn. But if it's led from our soul, That's where it's going to last, and that's where we can make impact on ourselves and on others. So, We will definitely be diving deeper into each of these topics on an individual level and also with my guests in upcoming podcast episodes. And if you're interested in joining CHM in the next round in August, just click the link below in the show notes to get on the wait list, or if you have any questions at all, just DM me on Instagram at Ashlyn Tory or at Studio Lily Luna and definitely follow us on Instagram as well to learn about all the upcoming guests, podcast topics, staying up to date for all the heels and burlesque content coming your way and all the things. I love you babes to the moon and back and I will chat with you in the next episode. Thank you, babes, so much for joining me today. If you love this podcast, I would really appreciate it if you gave us a five-star rating and review on iTunes. It really helps the podcast to be discovered by all the amazing women who could benefit from this work and from healing in a heal. Also, don't forget to follow along on Instagram at Luna and on YouTube to stay up to date on all the heals, burlesque, and spirituality content that your soul desires. Thank you.